0: I got a call one day from a producer that I'd never met or worked with, asking if I was available to go to Capitol Studios to play on a tribute to Les Paul record, and that Jeff Beck was going to be there on the session as well. I said, really? I thought, right, and now I'm Governor of California. So I accepted with skepticism, and I showed up. I was the only one there, and I got drum sounds, and I was told that he'd be there shortly. So I waited. And then suddenly, Jeff indeed showed up. He walked in with a tank top and camouflage pants, carrying a guitar under one arm in a cardboard box as though it was just bought in a store. Apparently, it was just given to him, and he pulled out of the box a sort of a pink Telecaster with little flowers like decals or sunflowers all over it. He plugged it into an amp, didn't tune it, warm up, or do anything else, and started playing. And lo and behold, sounded just like Jeff Beck. I was astounded. It really is in the hands. It's been said over and over. I've had arguments about that with people. As I'm a fervent believer in great gear to maximize one's voice and one's output and playing response to honor one's gift in years of practice to hone a touch, etc., etc., etc. And while I still stand by that, I now think that It starts in the hands and it actually ends there. It's just that one deserves to be heard better and have one's touch honored. And I'm sure that even Jeff had his favorite guitar. Even though he could play anything and still sound like himself. And sounding like himself, or being Jeff Beck as it were, was a completely unique and innovative voice. They broke the mold with him. Another thing that always amazes me is how he just He seemed to pull a rabbit out of his hat to create his approach. His sound, his concept, his identity, all with the influences before him. Who did he have? Well, he had the great, great blues men. Who else? Les Paul, as we referenced earlier. Chuck Berry. Buddy Guy. All fantastic musicians. But then he turned around and just basically invented himself out of thin air. It didn't resemble anyone before him. I mean, the same could be said of Jimmy Page or Eric Clapton and Hendrix as well, all creating vastly different approaches from basically the same available influences. Now, yeah, they were all different and created their unique sound. But that's really the secondary takeaway here for my purpose. Primarily, what Jeff did was vastly different from anyone else, and most would probably agree with that. I'd never heard anything like him, as I'm sure most, if not all of us would say. I first remember hearing him as a leader on his own album with one of two songs, Going Down or Situation. Those songs were on FM radio when I was in junior high school. I remember hearing them and thinking, wow, who is this? This is amazing. And then I found out it was the Jeff Beck Group. I'd never heard of him, and of course I ran out to buy that album the very next day, straight away. What struck me was, of course, his unique style of playing, but also the contextual application, how he, he created the environment to do what he did and bend how rock, so to speak, sounded to the layman, as well as satisfying the most well-heeled musos. He elevated it all, putting compositions like Charles Mingus's Goodbye Pork Pie Hand in front of his audience yet making it his own, actually fed them something they may have never known before that. He injected things and made them not only palatable, but delicious, mesmerizing the listener while taking them to another level. After that first stunning exposure, I followed him album after album, blow by blow, wired, all seminal and vital records that continued to show Jeff leading us through his mysterious forest of what will happen next. Mysterious is one good way of describing a sensation of experiencing Jeff. A magician is another. He never knew what he was ever going to do, ever. Much like the atypical descriptive of of jazz or a, a jazz musician. That was the mystery. The magician was another aspect that I myself witnessed close up, yet still couldn't work out his apparent sleight of hand. I watched him close up and it was the most baffling thing. I'd hear one thing and see another and would be utterly stymied at how he did it. Or what did I just hear see? It's like they didn't match up. And sometimes he would turn around and face me at the drums and do something just utterly amazing and yet equally baffling. And then make a funny face at the same time at me that, of course, the audience couldn't see. And then turn around and face them and just continue blazing across the stage and through the song. We had our little inside jokes like that, making certain faces that were sure to crack each other up, and part of the whole joke was doing that while just going for it musically. He occupied that rare place on top of the mountain, and like a Shaolin monk, he could evoke things that consistently left the audience in awe, and scratching their heads, shaking their, or should I say our heads, in awe, and disbelief and wonder yet at the same time be completely immersed in the sound of it all that transported us to another place entirely. I've never seen anything like it, nor have many of us. Not only as a listener, but playing with him was the same type of experience. He just transported you. His ear was simply amazing. His intuition, equally uncanny. He had a sixth and a seventh sense that was probably his own sort of bat sense, his, his Jedi sense. He was definitely a Jedi, but of the level of the high master, the one that was called at the 11th hour to save the day. We had so many laughs too. His sense of humor was just golden, especially pointing out the absurd. I have so many memories that come flooding back. Once I had on a t-shirt that looked so much like a tuxedo, it was uncanny. I served him with a towel over my forearm at a pizza place in Italy for his birthday. He loved it so much that my wife and I bought him one. I remember the very first gig as well. It was at a festival in London that Patti Smith hosted. We did a set around half an hour, all Hendrix. So many great memories like that. The Royal Albert Hall an entire week at Ronnie Scott's in London, documented forever. With Imogen Heap and Eric Clapton guesting, the electrifying gigs with Beth Hart, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction with Jimmy Page playing Immigrant Song together, playing Foxy Lady with Billy Gibbons, the concert with the orchestra at the Greek Theater, watching Jeff play Nessendorma Dorma alone and getting shivers from it. Or Where Were You? just simply mesmerizing how he bent sound was miraculous or having dinner at his home with he and Sandra and the band hearing him pull up in rehearsal one day in London at music bank in his hot rod outside the door and revving the engine before he shut it off so loudly that it set off the alarm and the entire studio evacuated. We laughed so hard. I could go on and on, but I always thought that there would be another chance, another Another time to create music together again and not knowing where it would go and being excited at that prospect. That did happen one last time during the making of the last album. We had finally did it and a new direction was taken. The outcome of the combination of Jeff and Johnny was truly inspiring and so, so very fresh. He did it again, I thought. And he'll do it yet another time or several times. He will. He will. That's just who he is. His legacy will live on forever and spawn new sounds and styles and approaches directly attributable to him and what he did and what he gave us. I'm going to miss you, my friend.